Good afternoon, Portland. I hope your day has been well thus far and you're enjoying uh, the fall weather, enjoying autumn being here. Uh, I'm happy to be home. I've been away for the last week and uh, I've kind of told you here and there what's been going on with me and my family. But today I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, suicide. Actually, this is a Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. The month of September is. And uh, ironically, it's something that we've had to face in our own family uh, just last week. So, oh, it's been an experience that I have not had before, nor do I ever want again. Uh, I know suicide is prevalent in our world, and I'm sure that many of you listening right now have had your own experience with suicide, Uh, either you yourself dealing with suicidal thoughts or tendencies, someone you know having those thoughts or tendencies, or uh, one of your loved ones has acted and succeeded with taking his or her life. And so I wish I would have done this episode to tell you the truth at the beginning of September. (laughs) But to tell you the truth, I really didn't know that it was Suicide Prevention Awareness Month until last Saturday. And it's kind of ironic that uh, you know how sometimes when this is how I was relating it uh, to a friend of mine. You know how sometimes when you you are looking for, maybe you know you want a certain kind of car. You decide you want a certain kind of car and you've never seen this car before. But all of a sudden, you want this kind of car. And so now it seems like this kind of car is popping up everywhere and you're seeing it everywhere and it's in the parking lot and you find five of them, you know, trying to pass you on the freeway, something like that. I did not know that September was Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And Saturday, when I got the news that my cousin took his life, all of a sudden on my Facebook page, I saw many, many posts on my wall and on Twitter, many, many tweets saying, hey, it's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Don't forget. Don't forget. Tell someone you love them. You know, tell someone they're not alone. I'm like, Wow. This information might have been helpful to all of us uh, yesterday. Thanks. Um, I'm making light of that. But um, to tell you what happened, I'd like to tell you a little bit about my family, actually. Uh, I've talked a little bit about my father's side of the family before here and there. In fact, just recently with uh, talking about the Syrian refugees and things like that, I mentioned that my own father and his family were actually refugees themselves. Uh, when my father was young, my grandmother and grandfather were uh not maritally separated, but physically separated during World War II. They were in Germany. And my dad was born in what was called Prussia. Prussia is no longer. Prussia turned into half Poland and half East Germany at the time. And my father's family escaped. They escaped from East Germany. And when he was seven years old, they moved into West Germany. And eventually, um, I'm sorry, they moved into West Germany. He was younger than seven. He was seven when they came to the United States. So, but my, my aunts, and we call them Tanta, uh, Tanta is aunt in German. And so my Tantas, they were much older than my father. And so uh, as a family, uh, they were separated. I think my oldest aunt was still left behind. My grandfather was left behind, but eventually they all made it to the States. And after 
lot of things happened. They all ended up in Cleveland, Ohio. And that is where my dad spent his teenage years and growing up years. And my aunts all married. They married European men. My uncle and Tanta raised their family right across the street from where my dad's father had a house. So the families were all very, very tight. And uh, it's something that I don't experience here on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. It's not like there are different areas of the community anymore uh, sorted out by nationality or anything so that there'd be a German area or a Italian area or, you know, when all the immigrants were coming from Europe. That was really, and it still is prevalent, mostly on the East Coast, but and in the East, but my family settled in Cleveland, Ohio, and my dad joined the Navy and came out to San Diego, met my mother, who was a native San Diegan. They got married, they had kids, and this is why my brother, my sister, and I grew up on the West Coast, but everybody else stayed in the Cleveland area and were raised there. I have many cousins, many sons and daughters of cousins, but they are all super, super tight. Uh, more like brothers and sisters, actually. My cousin calls calls us sister cousins because it's more than just the cousin that you see every once in a while. But for them, they're tight and they see each other often and they're in each other's houses and they're, you know, in each other's children's lives and their children are close as well. And I think from tragedy and all of what our family has been through, it has not been an easy road for them by any means, but I think that it's brought them closer together. And last year, I actually went back to Cleveland to say goodbye to my oldest aunt. She was in hospice. She was put in hospice after a bout with lung cancer. She's in her 80s and at the time, I thought that was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life to fly from here and go spend some days with my aunt, who I love dearly, and say goodbye to her and know that as I was saying goodbye, I would never see her again on this side of heaven. And until this week, I think that was the most painful thing I've ever had to deal with. I've been obviously pretty lucky in my life. Uh, all of our family has survived um, on my dad's side and uh, just a pretty strong family. I just always attested it to those strong Germans, man. They can, they can last through anything. But last year was my chance to say goodbye, like I said, to my oldest aunt, um, really difficult situation. But as I did that, as I was back there for a few days last year at this time, last September, I was able to visit with my cousins and my cousin's children, who I love dearly. I wish uh, we did live closer, but it was a nice time for for me to visit with them as well. In addition to being with my aunt, my Tanta Lucy, who we love so much. After my grandmother died, she really took over as the matriarch. And uh, like I said, because of the age difference between her and my father, she was almost like a second grandmother to me. I just love that woman. Just love that woman to death. So I did get to see a bunch of family 
last year in Cleveland. And one of the people that I did get to see was my cousin's son, Nathan. Uh, Nathan, out of all the cousins, I probably knew the least, mostly because he's a teenage boy. And what teenage boy wants to sit around and talk with a second cousin. Not many teenage boys. Now we're pretty close with his sister and uh, his other cousins as well, because, you know, we communicate. We're girls. We like to do that. Um, but Nathan, Nathan was a teenage boy, just a few years older than my eldest. Uh, but it was good to see Nathan last year as I said goodbye to my Tonsil Lucy and visited with him a little bit. Now, little did I know last year at that time that it would be my last time seeing Nathan. And of course, looking back, I wish there were things that I said. I wish there were things that I've done. Um, like we all do, right? <laughs> we all do that. It's easy after someone passes to say, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have done that, or I wish I would have tried harder to do anything. I mean, I'm coming up with a thousand excuses. Well, last week, I weekend, I was at a conference uh, that I will soon tell you all about a conference that I was looking forward to for quite a long time. And as I sat listening to speakers tell of their hard lives and how they found Jesus and how they're keeping Jesus in their life and how they're sharing Jesus with the poor and the depressed and the downtrodden and people on the streets and people that just really, really need Jesus. And I'm listening to these talks and in the middle, uh, mid-morning of these talks, I get a text from my sister and um, she says, you know, there, there's been an emergency and you need to, you need to call home. Well, here I am in this big cathedral surrounded by a thousand people right in the middle, right in the middle. Here I am. And so to get out would be uh, fairly obvious. So I asked her, I said, look, I can't get out right now. Can you just tell me what happened? And sure enough, she told me that Nathan had taken his own life uh, just in the wee hours of that morning. And that is an experience I never want to go through again by any means. I sat there in the midst of a thousand people, the speaker still speaking about how we all need Jesus and how Jesus is there for us. And yet I just got word that my cousin took his own life and I just wanted to scream. I just wanted to scream, Jesus, where are you? Where are you? Were you with Nathan when he was having these thoughts? Were you right by his side trying to talk him out of it? Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? And I couldn't. I had a thousand people surrounding me, and I couldn't yell that and scream that like I wanted to. I sat there and listened to the speaker finish her session, and the cathedral emptied for lunch hour, for the lunch hour, and I couldn't move. And I just stayed there. And luckily, I had three friends surrounding me. I had showed them the text a little bit earlier. And they stayed with me and let me cry. And uh, I got to tell you, in a time of emotional sadness, uh, depression, where you're just feeling like you want to crumble, it's those people that surround you that you're going to remember, I think for a lifetime, whether or not they were your best friends or acquaintances or people you just met, I think that those people are now uh, tied in my heart forever. 
So it is September. So it is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. I want to talk about what that means. And I want to talk about the devastation uh, that suicide can leave on those left behind. But I'd also like to talk about a blog post I wrote about a year ago. Uh, Last August 2014, Robin Williams took his own life. But before I knew that, on the day that he took his own life, I wrote a story about a local woman here who took her life and how I sympathized with her. So when we return to the conversation, we'll talk more about Suicide Prevention Awareness Month and uh, what we can do to make sure that our loved ones know that they are loved. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes on the Rose City Forum. And we're talking today about Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Did you know September uh, was the month that we are uh, making people aware that that suicide uh, websites and organizations, anti-suicide, are uh, putting putting their message out there. And uh, there are plenty of websites that I will list on our Rose City Forum Facebook page that you can look at, uh, telephone numbers that I will share with you, uh, many resources, many resources. Uh, If you know someone or if you yourself have had depressed thoughts where you're thinking that suicide is an option that I would encourage you to check out and to look at, uh, especially before you make that decision as well. Well, uh, earlier uh, in the broadcast, I announced or shared with you, it's not an announcement, um, that my cousin's son, Nathan, uh, committed suicide just last week, uh, just last Saturday, September 19th. And when you look at Nathan's life, it doesn't look like somebody who would be wanting to leave this earth. Nathan had a ton of friends. And I remember I'm reminded kind of of Robin Williams when he took his life. And all of us were kind of like, what the heck? Like, this is a guy who liked to make people laugh. This is a guy who was loved by so many. This was a guy who had a family that loved him. All of these reasons, all of these things we were thinking, and I could apply all of those to Nathan, I could apply them all to him. So many friends, in fact, The week before, he was very involved in his church as well, uh, which I digress a little bit, but I've said this before, knowing Jesus and loving Jesus and having Jesus in your heart does not take away the depression all the time, does not take away the feelings of not wanting to be here on this earth all the time. Yes, Jesus is our Lord, our Savior, everything. He is everything. But sometimes everything is just not enough. I know that doesn't make sense, does it, at all? Well, Nathan reminded me a little bit of Robin Williams in the fact that everybody loved Nathan. Uh, He was impulsive. He had fun with his friends. Uh, They told me about dirt bike riding that they did. Oh, I was going to say, I know what I was going to say. Just the week before, he was very involved with his church and his best friend, uh, he and his best friend, I think he had a few of them, but his best friend led a discipleship group. Uh, They would talk about verses. They would discuss the Bible. Well, the weekend before Nate took his life, they hosted, and I mean literally hosted these teenage boys, hosted a 5K, I think it was a 5K or a 10K uh, fundraiser 
to uh, promote awareness for human trafficking and to stop human trafficking. And I was shocked. At first I said, well, do you mean he just participated? And his friends were like, and adults were like, no, he helped host it. He helped start it. He helped. There were t-shirts. There were fundraisers all to stop human trafficking. And that's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. This boy with so much potential and so loved and so much heart for other people, so much heart for other people. And he had pain. He had pain that no one saw or that no one assumed actually that he would take his life for so many things, so many things about Nathan. Well, last year, last August, when Robin Williams took his life, it was the day of, I actually uh, posted on my blog. And if you don't know my blog, it's andyzomerman.com. It's not hard to remember um, on andyzomerman.com. So last year, I I posted my feelings about the news of Jennifer uh, Houston's, Houston's death. Um, she was a Newburgh woman, I believe she was a mother of two, and she went missing. And And if you remember, if you were in Portland uh, metro area at that time, last August, everybody was looking for her, they were looking for her car. And eventually they found out that uh, she did go to a remote spot to take her own life. And I remember all of the the comments afterwards, you know, how could you be so selfish? You have two young children, you have a husband, you have people that love you. How could you be so selfish? And I admit, I admit selfishness is the first thing that I think of when I think of suicide. It is the very first thing I think of. And when I think about Nate taking his life, I said, buddy, there are so many people that love you. Your mother, your mother will never be the same again. Your sister will never be the same again. All the cousins, all the tantas and the uncles, and none of us will ever be the same again. And it feels like it's so selfish. But then I was reminded, I was reminded of last year, uh, last summer, actually, when Jennifer took her own life. And I related with her 100%. See, last summer of 2014, uh, you all know that I suffer from depression. I've told you that before. And I have told you I'm in therapy. And I told you that I take uh, medicine for my depression. Well, at that time, the medicine that I was taking, it was it was not doing its job. And uh, actually, it was probably the wrong medicine that I should have been on uh, through nobody's fault, right? It's nobody's fault. You don't know a medicine is wrong unless it doesn't work for you anymore. <laughs> you can't really tell. Hence, you know, pharmaceutical drugs. There you go. Uh, but it wasn't it wasn't the right uh, prescription for me. And my depression was really, really bad. And when you're in this depression, when you have these feelings, you get lied to. Depression is a huge fat liar. And it will tell you that you are worthless. And it will tell you that life is hopeless. And it will tell you that you're better off not being around. And let me tell you something, if you are a Christian, and if you have Jesus in your heart, and you know what lies for you on the other side, actually being with Jesus sounds a lot more, uh, what do I want to say, enjoyable, a lot more painless than being here on this earth. Now, 
thank God I got help. I I got help. And I will tell you that right now. And I would not be able to do that to my husband or my two girls. I am so glad. I'm so glad. I thank God every day that I didn't act on those feelings. But I did have the feelings. And I wasn't thinking about selfishness. All I was thinking about was the pain that I felt. And I don't mean physical pain. I mean, heart pain or pain. Like I said, depression lies to you. Uh, Pain maybe that wasn't even there thinking I'm worthless and that life is hopeless. All those thoughts and just wanting to be gone. And I think about Jennifer and her life and wishing, wishing that somebody would have gotten her help or that she would have reached out for help herself. And I think that's one of the things I'm really bummed about, really sad about, really hurt about with my, my cousin's son, my cousin, I call him my cousin anyway, my cousin Nathan, is that he was only 19. He's only 19. And so many times we look at teenagers and we look at their hurt and their pain and we say, yep, that's being a teenager. Welcome to being a teenager. Teenager, you know, your hormones are raging and you're learning about life and you don't know what else is out there and everything seems like such a big deal all at once. And it's hard to be a teenager, but all of us look at it and we say, yep, that's being a teenager. But what we don't do enough of, this is what I think after thinking about Nathan, what we don't do enough of is we don't go to teenagers and we don't say, you guys, we know it is hard. You guys are dealing with something really, really hard. But we can promise that with the right help, maybe you're feeling depression. Maybe you need to talk to a therapist. Maybe there are some, you know, medicines you can take for right now to help your brain get back into gear. Maybe it just takes an adult to tell you that being a teenager absolutely stinks sometimes. But you know what? It gets better. It gets better. And I think all of us, all of us who have been in a really, really down spot and who have gotten help can say it gets better better. And that doesn't mean that life is all peaches and cream all the time, but it does mean you learn to look for the things that you're grateful for. And you learn to hang out with the people that love you so much and that you can love back. And when I look at Nathan as only 19, I say, buddy, why, why didn't you hear that? Or if you did hear it, why didn't you take it to heart? And then I look at myself and I say, you know, I have communicated with your sister a ton in this past year. Why didn't I reach out to you? Was it because you were a teenage boy? Was it because I didn't think you'd want anything to do with a 45 year old woman? (laughs) I mean, you know, it's ridiculous. And I know all of us are saying, what if, what if, and none of this will bring Nathan back. None of it. I wish it would. I wish there were some kind of magic spell or or God wish or anything I could do to bring Nathan back, but none of it none of it's going to happen. And so what I need to do is to concentrate and focus to do everything I can to make sure this does not happen to another person. This does not happen to another teenager at all. And I need to do that. And so hence, you get a show, we get to talk about Suicide Prevention Awareness Month this September. 
Uh, when we come back, I want you to hear from a friend of Nathan's, one of the teeny slim silver linings of this huge dark cloud is that I got to meet all of Nathan's friends uh, while I went back to mourn with my family. And these teenagers are great. Well, uh, one in particular, I just fell in love with her name is Angela. She's going to be on and uh, tell you her side of the story and how it's affected her and her friends, but also what they are doing to make sure that this doesn't happen to any more of their friends ever again. So uh, as we continue the conversation, you will hear from Nathan's friend, Angela, uh, right here on the Rose City Forum. And we're back here at KKPZ this afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Uh, The show today is a little heart-wrenching, actually. It's September. It's Suicide uh, Prevention Awareness Month. And Unfortunately, um, this hit too close to home with my family lately. Um, In a previous segment, I mentioned to you about my cousin who decided to take his own life last week. Well, one of the things about my cousin, Nathan, is that he had a lot of friends, a lot of friends. He was not a loner by any means. And I have with us uh, Nathan's friend, Angela. Angela Radisic. Angela, did I say that right? Yes, you did. Okay. Angela uh, is my bright spot to all of what happened uh, in the last week. And had Nate uh, not done what he done, I don't know if I would have known what a beautiful person Angela is. But Angela, I thank you for being on the show today and sharing with us and the listeners what happens after a loved one dies, a teenager, what happens to all of you that are left behind? And you have done so much yourself. And I know you said you like to keep yourself busy. And and this is how you mourn. And you have done so many great things. um, So many great things in Nathan's memory. But I'd like to know, right as soon as you found out what happened to Nate, you and all your friends, um, what happened? What happened that night or that day that you found out? Um, We basically went through the whole emotional roller coaster from like being upset to being shocked, to being angry we have a huge group of friends that are just the initial group of friends that we always hang out with all the time and always have. And to see each person, I was there, one of the first people there in the morning. So I watched the whole thing happen Mm. and watched everybody's reactions. So like seeing everybody's reactions kind of brought us closer in a sense. So we wouldn't want this to happen again to anybody else in our group. Yeah, and it so seems like, like you had a big group too. Yes, there was like twelve of us, I think, all together. There were, but throughout. So I, uh, I arrived at my cousin's house um, the day after that it happened, and uh, there were still so many teenagers in and out of the house uh, supporting. Nathan's mom and Nathan's sister. And how did you guys, did you feel you were all at the house, but I know you guys did other stuff as well. Tell me some of the other things you guys did in Nathan's memory. We created the memorial at the site. Mm -hmm. So we all brought up things that like made us think of Nathan and things that he used to say and used to do. And like, we all have a pink bandana. And so we made sure to bring his pink bandana and hang it on his cross. And we started the GoFundMe to help his family out with the money that they would need for the cost of everything in this upcoming week. 
I, Angela, and I know that you were behind that. And I just thought that was an amazing thing to do. Uh, right away, I saw a GoFundMe page online, which is an internet uh, uh, fundraising page, basically, you set it up. And, and I know Angela did that. And Angela, the goal has been raised over and over again, because so many people are donating uh, to the family. And at first, what was your initial goal? How much did you hope to raise initially? My initial goal was 2000 I figured that would cover everything, but we ended up raising it. I think I just raised it for the third time this morning. And it's over $4,000 that you've raised so far, isn't it? Yeah, right now I think the total is $4,125. That is so amazing. And knowing that, that it's all people who cared about Nathan and, and you, you set that up. So thank you so much. Uh one other thing that you guys did, uh, which I thought was incredible, is you had some kind of a car rally or something. What was that all about? Oh, yes. Um, Nathan was friends with someone in middle school who recently moved to a different part of our state, and he does car rallies, and it's basically like a car show for people to come out, mainly teenagers, but a couple adults show up, and it's like the kind of cool street cars that like rev their engines. And all those kind of, like, do, like, burnouts and stuff. <laughs> and we all meet and, like, get to watch them do their fun burnouts and everything. So it's kind of, like, fun. And it's, like, $5 a car to show in the show. Okay. And then people make donations. And then at the end of it, we all, like, hang out for, like, a couple hours. And then at the end of it, we drove from their city to where Nathan's hometown was in Brunswick area. Mm-hmm. And we, like we drive all in a giant line on the highway. So it was like, it ended up being about like 50 cars. So it was over a mile and a half on the highway. And we all just like put our flashers on and it's just like a giant procession from one city to the next. It's just so amazing. And I think that same night, this is what, what uh, blew my mind too. Nathan, uh, was a worker. He worked with his hands and he, he spent a lot of time buying tools and uh, especially at that, that franchise of Harbor Freight. And wasn't it that night they had like a 50% off, or no, they donated 50% of, of profits, didn't they, to Nathan's cause? Yes, I think they did actually. And that was really amazing because he had always spent his time there specifically buying his like tools for working on different cars and automobiles and stuff like that. It's just so amazing. And so I, I, I think about that. And I think about teenagers and, and being in that low point. And, uh, and Angela, you're a teenager, and I was a teenager way back when and I, I know these low points. Um, but can you imagine if we were alive and able to see how many people actually loved us? You know what I mean? It's just such a it, it's so wonderful that all of you guys came together like that. And I just wish Nate knew a little bit ahead of time, you know, how loved he was. Or do you think he did know how loved he was? And do you think he was just in so much pain? I think that he knew how many people he had touched and how many people loved him. But I don't think at this point that we could have changed anything of the thoughts that he was thinking. I think he did it to put himself out of pain. But... Like you said, we all wish you would have known how many people, because it really shows now in the following weeks, how many people actually loved him and cared for him and are willing to do all of this stuff in his honor. Yeah, he's an amazing boy. What would happen if you had one minute right now and you could just tell Nate anything? You have, you have like, you know, a second. 
And I know you've talked to him. I'm sure you've talked to him <laughs> um, like I do when I just say, Nate, what are you doing? Um, so what would you tell him? What would you tell him? Like if if I were to know that he were going to do this or just if we were just to be hanging out again. Yeah, you're hanging out again. And uh, yeah, what would you tell him? We would, when me and Nate always hung out, we always talked about like our relationship problems or like what exciting thing that we wanted to do. And we'd always try to do different things to get like an adrenaline rush kind of thing. <laughs> so we would, we would probably talk about either our relationships or I would tell him how I want to get a dirt bike or something, some new goal. And we'd always try to make those kind of things happen. So that's probably what we would talk about if we had another conversation. <laughs> and what would you say, uh, knowing what he did, if you if you had one second to say something to him right now, knowing it would get up to him, what would you say? I don't even know. I would probably just tell him, think about what you're going to do. It's going to affect so many different people in so many different ways, and we can definitely help you get through this. And you don't need to do something that drastic that could change so many people's lives. And I'm glad that you said that because if one other person in this world hears what you said right now, I'm hoping that that will help them change their mind or his mind or her mind. How do you think that this tragedy, this horrible tragedy of Nate's death touched so many people? I mean, like we were talking about, the memorial service had standing room only. That church was filled. How do you think that that will help all those people that were at the memorial service uh, promote suicide awareness month in the future or awareness. Do you think that all those people now have something to say? I really think they do. Once it hits home, it gives you something to talk about. It's not just someone pushing something down your throat that you don't have any relation to. It will help them like get their word out of their experience on the matter. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that you'll be a little bit uh, more vocal in telling each other how much you mean to each other? I think that that will happen. I mean, it showed since it happened. We've had so many get-togethers already just in the past week that it happened. Like, just talking about it and, like, telling everybody that we love each other and not really letting anybody hang up the phone or leave without a hug goodbye or, like, I love you. Angela, if somebody's listening right now and contemplating killing themselves, what would you say to them? I'd say don't do it. There's so many people that could help you. There's so many different people that care for you. And it would just, it would be so much better to just stay on this earth so much longer and make an impact on people and help them and let them help you. And really quick, I want to give the suicide, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Uh, it's 1-800-273-8255. Again, that's 1-800-273-TALK. And I'm going to echo Angela's wishes and just say there's so many people who love you. Don't do it. Angela, thank you so much for talking with Portland and our listeners and letting us know what it's like uh, from a friend's point of view and another teen teenager. And so I just so appreciate you, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. All right. We'll continue with our conversation on Suicide Prevention Awareness Month in just a few moments.
We're spending the day talking about National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, which September is, and we're already at the end of September. And I wish so much that I would have done more to research this at the beginning of the month. I don't know if it would have saved my cousin's life or not, but I would have known and I would have been more aware, I think. And so I can promise you now, uh, not just every September, but I think every day I will make a pact or, or a promise to do something to make sure that suicide doesn't have to be the only option for people. And I wanted to put out the National Suicide Prevention line, the telephone line, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Call that number, please, if you're having any kind of thoughts or or even if you, even if you thought it one time or said, I wonder if, and maybe the wondering if keeps coming and coming, just call that line. There's nothing that can hurt by calling the phone number. I know that it seems scary. I know that it seems like, well, I might not really do it. I might not really do it. Let me tell you, friends, there is a very short amount of space in between thinking I might not really do it and actually doing it. Uh, I'm so sad, like I said, for my cousin, 19 years old, took his own life last week. You know, I was a youth minister for many years and suicide was never something that I had to actually deal with. I won't lie, there have been conversations I've had with youth where suicide may have been an option. Uh, Luckily, the students I'm referring to got help in time, but uh, there have definitely been, I've seen my share of teenage depression. I've seen my share of teenage confusion and I think thank God that that those kids are still around and still alive today. And I wish I could say the same for my cousin, Nathan. But what I want to share with you also, you might know someone and not even know you know someone who's contemplating suicide. There's some warning signs uh, that are out there and that you can tell uh, if someone is, is thinking that they might take their own life. But here's what I want to put out there. As I'm looking at these warning signs, I look back and I say, well, did Nathan do that? Yeah, he did that. He did that. He did that. And so I'm checking off my list, right? He did all these warning signs. But you know what? It's really easy for me to say that sitting here across the country, basically from Ohio to Oregon, across the country, it's easy for me to look back in hindsight and say, yeah, he totally showed all those signs. It's much different when you're living in it. You don't see the signs as well, I don't think, when you're living in it. If it's just an everyday kind of thing and your kid gets mad and says, I hate life, I don't want to be here anymore. Is that real? You know, does he really think that? Is he trying to get a rise out of you? There's so many things, so many signs that happen where you might not put them all together. So I'm going to read off some warning signs. um, And if you know or have seen any of these signs in anybody you love, will you please take a closer look and maybe uh, share with them what you've seen, share with them that you love them, that you care about them. Here are some warning signs uh, if you think that someone is threatening to take their own life. The first one is threats or comments about killing themselves, also known as 
suicidal ideation can begin with seemingly harmless thoughts like, I wish I wasn't here, but become, but can become more overt and dangerous. I wish I wasn't here. I wish I wasn't here. Do you know how many times I said that as a teenager? I wish I wasn't here. Now, as a teenager, I had a lot of depression as well. And there were a lot of times I wish I wasn't here. Um, and I also wanted to mention that too. Uh, what I was taught in, uh, when I was doing youth ministry and in teaching, it's that teenagers often wish that they're not here. And when they decide to take their lives, and this is being, this is a generic blanket statement. It's not true for everyone, but guys will usually do something immediate. Like they will pick a gun, they will hang themselves or shoot themselves or something very violent. Girls will turn to drugs. They will try to um, overdose or, or take a lot of drugs to kill themselves that way. Now, the thing with that is that a lot of times girls are saved. So girls actually try to commit suicide more than guys, but because they're doing it with drugs, oftentimes they will pass out, they will get found, they will get taken to the hospital, and then they will get saved with a guy who is going to take a gun to his head, uh, there's not a lot of saving afterwards, if you know what I mean. So that's something to look out for and just be aware of as well. And like I said, that's not true for every guy or every girl. Uh, it's just what statistics have said. Um, increased alcohol or drug use. Have there been? I really can't say for Nathan uh, that if that was the case or not. I'm doubting it sincerely, but that would be something that I don't know the answer to. Aggressive behavior. Does the person show aggressive behavior? Well, Nathan might have every once in a while, but he's a boy, right? And a lot of times people just attributed it to that. Social withdrawal from friends, family, and the community. Now I have to say Nathan did not fall into that sign. That guy was popular and he was with his friends all of the time. So that didn't really apply to him. Dramatic mood swings. I have heard that that, that might've been a possibility. Talking, writing, or thinking about death. Nathan often said he was messed up in the head, um, kind of using it in a joking way. But also something stood out to me as well. All of his friends knew his very favorite song. His very favorite song, no doubt about it. Everybody knew, his family, his friends. And when I played that song, I realized it was a song about suicide. And when I watched the video... The video was all about a boy taking his own life. Now, that's not to say that everybody who loves that song is thinking about suicide. But like I said, hindsight is twenty twenty, isn't it? Uh, would that have been a sign? Was he trying to show a sign? Impulsive or reckless behavior? Well, the guy was a teenager. And I'll tell you, some of his behavior was pretty impulsive and pretty reckless. Uh, he liked to do dirt bikes. And I think he I think he had a motorcycle at one time. And, you know, just things that guys do do and girls too. I don't want to be sexist when I'm talking about this. So do you see what I'm saying? All of these signs by themselves don't really look like anything out of the ordinary uh, if it's something you're used to seeing. But if it's something different, can you kind of be aware of that? Can you kind of tune into that and, and make sure that the person you're thinking about knows that he's loved or know that she can get help? Or 
whatever. I wanted to give you some websites to look at too, to look more into this. If you remember, um, I think in the spring I interviewed Jamie Torkowski. He's in charge of the website to write love on her arms. That website is the acronym. So it's TWLOHA.com. I'll put that up on the website. There is a website called OK to Talk and it's the number two. So OK, the number two, T-A-L-K.org. And that is a great website teaching about teenagers and mental health and depression and suicidal thoughts. Another one is the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and that will give you a whole bunch of signs and telephone numbers to call. That's NAMI.org. All of these will be on the website, or I'm sorry, the Rose City Forum Facebook page today. I will list these. I will also list the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Again, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. If anyone listens today and takes this to heart, and it can be a savior for you or saving another life, then it will be worth it. Then it will be worth it. I don't want Nathan's death to be in vain. I don't want it to be forgotten. And so I'll do what I can. I love my cousin. I love my family. And I wish I could bring him back, but I can't. So this is what I have to do. Thanks, Portland, for uh, hanging in there with me, listening to my story. Uh, Pay attention to National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. See what you can do to tell somebody that you love them. Tell somebody that they're important, even when they don't feel it. I appreciate you sticking with me. I hope you have a wonderful afternoon, and we'll catch up again here on the next Rose City Forum.